Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. I'm just like a racehorse. You turn the light on me, I'm ready to go, all right? So I hope you're glad to be here today. If you have your Bible, let's hold it up. If you have it on your uh, smartphone, your iPad, wherever you have, let's make our confession what we believe about the Word today. Say it with me. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 5, and we'll start there today and get your sermon notes ready because we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures today. Is it all right to look at a lot of scriptures at church? Is that all right for us to do? Let me start off today by asking just a simple question. Have you ever felt like you let somebody down? You ever told somebody, you can count on me? Or you can trust me, I'll do that. And then you failed them, you let them down. Or maybe you've had somebody to let you down. You say, you know what, I believe that I could trust you and, and you didn't come through with what you said. And You know, it's just, it's not a good feeling, is it, when we feel like that we let somebody down. It's just not a good feeling. Today we want to look at the life of Peter. Um, Because his life, I think, really is close to what we can identify with. He had his ups and he had his downs. He he had his good days and his bad days. He had the days in which that he said, you know, I'm going to be there for you and I'll never leave you. I'll never, uh, everybody else can, but I won't. And then we find that he lets the Lord down. So I don't know about you, but when I read something like that, it brings me encouragement. Uh, one of the things that we read about Peter is that the scripture said that he followed uh, at a distance. I, I think Peter followed close enough to see Jesus, but not close enough to be seen with Jesus. There are a lot of people who follow close to see Jesus. I'm here at church today, and and I can see Jesus, and I can do that, but they're not traveling close enough to be seen with Jesus. I mean, if if somebody that you work with, or you go to the gym with, uh, came around, and somebody come up and said, oh, well, you're, you're a Christian, and then if people around you would say, you are? I would have never known. Then maybe you're close enough to see Jesus, but you're not close enough to be seen with Jesus. I guess a follow-up question would be this today. Is there some area in your life where you told the Lord, I'll never do that again, and you did? Is there an area in your life where you say to the Lord, I, I promise you, Lord, if you'll get me out of this and help me with this, I'll never fail you in that area again, and you did. I think we can all identify that there are seasons in our life where that's happened. And what happens as soon as we, as soon as we do something like that and we feel like that we've disappointed the Lord, 
as if you could disappoint him who he is. But that's how the enemy comes. And then he brings this little G word called guilt. And then he begins to say, you know, you've really blown it. You're a failure. You'll never make it guilt. Here's, here's a good definition of guilt. If you got your camera, you can take a picture of this because it's not in your notes. Um, guilt is based on a self-condemning feelings. In other words, guilt only comes on your life if you allow it. Guilt is based on a self-condemning feeling that you've not lived up to your own expectations or the expectations of others. I mean, it's, it's one thing to feel like you've let somebody else down, but it's another thing to feel like you've let yourself down. You know, you made that decision, you said you would do something, and you didn't do it, and you're living with that guilt today. You see, it's that guilt that keeps you in bondage with three destructive weapons, shame, fear, and anger. And so today, I want to talk about this because I think we all have seasons or a season in our life when we look back on it with shame and we say, I made a big mistake there. And, and sometimes people ask God to forgive them and, and the Lord forgives them, and, but they never forgive themselves and guilt. And I know I'm speaking to somebody here today it's not an accident that you're here today, and it's not an accident that I'm talking about guilt because you've been carrying this guilt, and it just, it just holds you like a prison. And every time you, you feel like you're about to break through to a new level with the Lord, that guilt, that condemnation comes back from the enemy because he wants to hold you in bondage and hold you away from God. When we only reflect on the pain of our past, we'll never be able to look on the future with potential. You see, when I keep looking to the past, held in the past, it robs me of any future potential. Say future potential. Future potential. And that's what the Lord is saying today. He doesn't want us to stay in that guilt or condemnation. The thing about the resurrection, it changes everything. It gives us a chance for a do-over. Uh, Peter and the disciples, they all ran and fled from Jesus, and then Jesus gave them a do-over. So this changes everything. The resurrection gives us a chance for a do-over, a fresh start, a new beginning. So I'd like to look at three words today from Peter's life and see how it applies to our life. So if you're taking notes, the first word is this, follow. Say follow. follow. First note is the word is follow. And uh, let's look at when Peter began to follow Jesus, and it's found in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. Luke 5, verses 4 through 6. And when he had stopped speaking, that's Jesus, he's been teaching, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, here's, we read that over and we think, okay, yeah, okay, well, we'll toss out. But fishermen, fisher ladies, fisher people who fished all night and you came in, you, you had to get your nets ready for the next day. So you would, you would clean them, you would rinse them off, you'd look for any tears that you had, and you'd get out and you'd mend it. So it wasn't a short process of getting your nets ready. So they fished all night, they came in, they got their nets all ready for the next day, and Jesus says, now, go back out again. Now, in Peter's mind and the other fishermen, they're thinking, oh, man, I, we're the fishermen. He's the teacher, and he's telling us how to do this. That means 
I'm going to have to go the extra mile. I'm going to have to re-clean all of these nets again after I go out there. But then he realizes who he's listening to. And Andrea brought this up between services, and I thought it was so powerful. She said he didn't go on the circumstances. He went on the word. Nevertheless, at your word. Not because I think that anything has changed, but simply because you've given me the word, we're going to go out again. And so when they went out again, they, they got a great catch. And then in verse 10 of that, the Lord says, from now on, you're going to be following me and you're going to catch men. In the, if you have the Spirit-Filled Study Bible, it'll tell you in your footnotes that that word catch men is progressive, which means a continual, and it's taking men alive. He's saying, once you just went out there and you were catching fish and you were selling fish and you were doing that, but I'm going to invite you to be something, a part of something that will change the eternity of people's lives. I'm going to ask you to follow along with me and find people who's lost and away and have no hope and I want you to join me in this kingdom journey and I want you to be a fisher of men. Can you imagine? I've often thought about what that must have been like to think I was just a fisherman but now I'm a fisher of men and building the kingdom of God, changing lives and changing eternity. Do you remember what it was like when you first became a Christ follower? Remember what that was like when you were a little baby Christian? I mean, you could open your Bible to the concordance. And God would speak to you from the concordance, remember? I mean, it's just like, whoa, it just blow away, you know? It, it, it was just there. Or you could pray a simple prayer, and His presence was so near. But then we start doing life, right? I mean, you can't be a baby all your life. You, you can't have somebody to feed you all your life and give you a bottle or uh, some baby food and change your diapers. There comes a time when you have to take responsibility for your life. And I remember when my youngest daughter turned 18, she had to take on a bunch of responsibilities. And she said to me and Anita, I don't want to be 18 anymore. I, I don't want to be there anymore. I'd, I'd like to go back. And I think we all feel that way. But in serving the Lord, sometimes when we start off, we lose that I, what can we call it? That excitement, that, that, that freshness, that, whoa, it's just, it's just great. I get to be part of this. And then we get to the place, the second word, the second word I want to look at is warning. Say warning. It's the second place. Warning. And this happened three years, almost three and a half years after Peter's been following Jesus. And this is found in uh, Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 31, 26 and 31. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. Then I read that, and that just jumped on me in the first service, even while I was teaching. And he said, I'm going to be an offense. Uh, the, the Hebrew word there is scandalon. Remember when he said uh, that people will get offended? Scandalon in the Greek means a rock that you would stumble over. And here's what Jesus says. We've been walking together for three, three and a half years. But some things are getting ready to happen right now, and I will become a stumbling stone to you. In other words, you're going to like be disappointed in me. It's just like sometimes we, we, we come to God for prayer. He doesn't answer our prayer the way that we want. And then we get offended at him. Or you say, Lord, I'm praying for that husband. I'm praying for that wife. And the Lord just sends you, or the Lord doesn't send, but the enemy allows just a bunch of jerks to come into your life, right? Uh, how many of you remember those times, right? Maybe some of you are there right now, okay? And, and so then you begin thinking this, oh, Lord, I'm serving you. I, I'm a follower of you. I'm doing everything I can, but you're not answering my prayer. 
cares? Gertrude over there doesn't even know you. She doesn't even love you. And you sent her four good husbands, and you haven't sent me one yet. Lord, I don't understand. Or you healed that person, or you saved that person, but you haven't answered my prayer yet. And so we begin to stumble over him. Can you imagine? He's saying, you're going to stumble over me. He said, the enemy will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And after this, he said, I'll go before you and meet you in Galilee. And after this, Peter said, even if all are made to stumble because of you, read it with me, I will never be made to stumble. You can trust me, God. I'll never make that mistake. I'll never do that. And Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, heck no. That's, that's in the everyday paraphrase. Even if I die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the other disciples. He said, no, Lord, I'm never going to fail you. I'm never going to let you down. I'll never be the one that does that. Just like we say, Lord, I won't do that sin again. Lord, I won't judge that person again. Lord, I don't fail. I won't start and stop again. I won't commit to attending church and then I quit attending. I won't, I won't say that I'm going to serve and, and then I drop out of serving. I'm not going to say I, I start tithing and then I quit tithing. Not me. Maybe Timmy boy there on the front row, but it ain't going to be me. You know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be the one that you can count on, right? I'm not teaching on Peter to make fun of him. I'm just saying that we identify with the whole process in Peter's life. Now look at Matthew 26, verse 69. Let's, let's see how Peter does with this. Now I remind you, Jesus is inside the courtyard He's inside the, the praetoria there where um, uh, they're accusing him and abusing him and judging him. And Peter's in the courtyard just outside. Now, Peter sat outside the courtyard, and the servant girl came to him saying, You were with Jesus of Galilee. And he read it with me, but he denied it before them saying, I don't know what you're saying. And then when he had gone out to the gateways, went through the gateway, now he's inside the courtyard right where Jesus is. And another girl saw him and said to those, this fellow is also of Jesus of Nazareth. And again, read it with me. He denied with an oath. I mean, now, now he's intensifying that. Now it's, it's an oath. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are one of those. Your speech betrays you. Now look at this. Then he began to curse. You say, that probably doesn't mean curse in the Greek. Oh, yeah, it means curse. In fact, here's what it means literally. I call down the curse of God on my head if I'm lying. That's how serious it was. Now, this went through, these three denials of Jesus weren't back to back. It was over a period of two hours. So the first one may have been a knee-jerk reaction. No, I, I, I don't know him. But now this one is several minutes, maybe an hour into the process. And, and then the next one after that, it's a two-hour process. This is not a knee-jerk reaction, but this is a planned response to accusations that are given. So he begins to, he, he begins to, to curse and then to swear. In other words, 
swears, like, you know, people say, well, well, I swear on my mother's grave, or I swear on a stack of Bibles that I'm not lying. That's what he's saying here. The one who just a little while ago said, you can count on me, I'll never fail you, I'll never do it again. And here he is. Here he is, denying again. And he began to curse and to swear, saying, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word of Jesus who said to him, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So he went out and he wept bitterly. Luke tells us, gives us a little bit more into that in Luke chapter 22. Let's look at this. Luke chapter 22, verses 60 and 61. This is after the third, this is at the third time. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked. Underline those two words. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Wow. Now, we read that and we think, oh, yeah, well, he was in the same vicinity of Jesus, and Jesus just happened to look at him. Uh, those of us, those of you who went with us to the Holy Land last year, remember one of these little temple courtyards? It was about a 30 by 30. So it wasn't like Jesus was 100 yards away. It was like a 30 by 30 area. So, so when it says that, that, he, that when, when Jesus saw him, it wasn't like across the room, but it was like close enough to make eye contact with. It was close enough to sense and to feel what was going on. Let me remind you, uh, Luke 22, uh, verses 60 and 61, what uh, Jesus would have, uh, would have uh, or Mark, let me see, yeah, we just read that one. Let me remind you what, Mark, what he would have looked like. Mark 15, 17 through 19 says, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed. Remember, he's got the crown of thorns on his head. So they just dug in. And they spat upon him, bowing the knee. They worshiped him in false humility. Luke 22 and 64 says, And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, Now prophesy, who is that who struck you? Another of the gospel writers said they plucked out part of his beard. So now let's jump back to the scenario with Peter. Peter, who boldly said, you can count on me. I'll never let you down. I'll never fail you. Now three times he's denied Jesus. Three times he's denied. Now he's in this small area of about a 30, by 30, foot, a 30 yards by 30 yards. And then all of a sudden he looks. The, the rooster crows. And Jesus turns and looks at him. The look from Jesus, remember what his face would look like. His eyes would have been black from the beating. There would have been vacant places and bloody places where they plucked out his beard. His nose would be bleeding. His lips would be bruised. The crown of thorns embedded upon his head. Now, how would you feel if you were Peter? Standing there, and you had so, you'd so, you'd, you'd so vocally proclaimed I'll never do it, Lord. I'll never fail you like others have failed you. I'll never do that. And then you hear the rooster crow, and, and your words come back to haunt you, and the guilt comes on you. And the scripture says, and the Lord turned, and he looked at Peter. Now, here's what Peter saw because of the enemy. Peter saw Jesus looking at him saying, you're guilty. You denied me, and you said you would never deny me. But that wasn't the look of Jesus. 
The look of Jesus was a look of love. Just like today, some of you are right now under guilt and condemnation for sin in your life, for things that you've done, and you carry that for so long, and, and you're there, and you, th- and you think, if, if I get too close to Jesus, uh, he's going to be disappointed because I failed him in the past. No, it's not that. He looks with a look of love. He loves you so much that he wanted you to be here today that he's not holding you in guilt and condemnation, but he died on the cross and he rose from the grave so that he can give you a fresh start, a new beginning, a do-over, and you don't have to live in that guilt. Let's give him a praise today. Amen, amen, amen. Sometimes we'd say, well, I've never denied him. I would never do that with my words. I would never do that. I've been in a place where I, where I would never deny him. But sometimes we deny him not just with our words, but we can deny him with our works. Uh, Titus believed, as James did, that faith without works is dead. So my question to you today is this. Have you ever denied him with your word or your works? Have you ever denied him with your word or your works? First Timothy, I mean, Titus 1 and 16 says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. You see, it's not just that we vocally do that, but we can deny him in our works. The Lord called you into ministry. And because of something in your life, you're not fulfilling that. You're not the missionary that he called you to be. You're not the leader. You're not the teacher. You've backed away from all of that, and you've denied him, not in words, but you've denied him in works. You said, I believe God has called me to do this. I believe God's called me to serve, and so, so I'm going to serve. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve in Kid City. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve in the parking lot. And so something happens in our life, and we get upset, and so we begin to deny him with our works. You see, works doesn't save you, but works are evidence that he has saved you, that he has redeemed you, and that he's given you a hope in life. So when you serve, when you give, when you fulfill what God has asked you to do, it's not that you're getting closer to God. You're just saying as a response to what he's done for me, I'm going to serve him and I'm going to serve him with all of my heart and I will not deny him in my word or in my works. If that's true, say amen today. So then let's look and see what happens. Now, the third phrase I want us to look at, follow, fall, and I want us to look at follow again. Or in the last service, I think I come up with a better word, refollow, refollow. John chapter 21, verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going to go with you also. And they went out and immediately got into a boat Read it with me. And that night, they caught nothing. Peter said, I'm going, to, I'm going back to what I was good at. I was a good fisherman. I was a strong fisherman. I'm going back to how it was before I met him. And we look at that and we say, Peter, how could you be so cruel? No, no, you miss it. I'm going back to how I used to be because I don't ever want to fail him again. 
I don't ever want to deny him again. So Peter goes back to fishing. And the others say, we're going to go back to fishing with you. And they fished, and that night they caught nothing. Now, notice what Jesus does in our, in our story. He doesn't leave us in our guilt and his shame. He doesn't expect you to come to him. But he comes to you where you are. See, we think, I failed it. I failed my wife. I failed my kids. Now there's a scar on my life, and I'll carry this guilt. But maybe if I work hard, if I work hard, and I'm a good boy, or I'm a good girl, then one day I can get rid of this guilt. One day I can feel all right with God. One day it's all right. No, he doesn't say, he doesn't say no, you have to work your way back to me. He says, let me come to where you are. They went fishing, fished all night, and they'd caught nothing. Now, catch this scenario. You don't want to miss this. Jesus takes Peter back to how it was in the very beginning. Remember in the very beginning? He was a fisherman, had it all together, but he fished all night, and he caught nothing. You see, Jesus wants to take Peter back to that sweet, wonderful, sensitive time that he had when they first met. And here's what the Lord is saying today. He wants to take you back to that place where you first met him and where the joy was real and the contentment was real before all the failures that we had in our life. And he's saying, look, I see you there and I want to meet you at that place. He said, now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Now let's flip over to John chapter 21. And let's, let's see this story. I John chapter 21 has got to be one of my favorite chapters to read. Every time I read it, I see other nuances that I've never seen before. And, and, and this is the time after the resurrection. After, now, this is not the first time that Peter sees Jesus after the resurrection. Peter has seen Jesus. But he still says, I'm going fishing. Why? Again. He feels like he's gone so far that he can never be used of God again. But Jesus comes to where Peter is so that he can let him see his love. Here's the story. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said, we're going to go with you. They went out immediately. They got in a boat that night, and they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, some of you have been in the night for too long. Some of you have been in the darkness for too long. There was a morning after the dark. And in that morning was when Jesus came. Today, for some of you, it's a morning time. It's the beginning, a fresh start, a new beginning. Remember that sunrise you saw, and you thought it was the most beautiful sunrise you've ever seen? Maybe you were out, and you saw it rise up over the ocean, or you saw it rise up over the mountains, or you saw it rise up over a lake, 
or wherever it was, and we thought, oh, wow, his mercies are new every day. How awesome, how wonderful it is. That's the kind of morning that it was here. It was a fresh start, a new beginning, a do-over. And God says to tell someone that's here today, this is a morning for you. This is the beginning of something new and something fresh beyond the guilt, beyond the condemnation, beyond the failure that you've experienced. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. They thought it was somebody from the town. And Jesus said, children, have you any food? And they answered him, nope. And he said, listen to this, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And so they cast and they were not able to draw it all in because of the multitude of fish. And if you look at verse 11, it says, they counted them and there's 153 fish. That's pretty significant, I think. You ever wonder when you read something like that, why did they count them? Did they always count them? It didn't always say that. But there was something about this day. It was a new start, a new beginning, just like for somebody here today. And he's saying, you need to start counting what I've already put into your life, the blessings that I've already given you. Give him a hand clap. He's worthy of that. Amen. Amen. I didn't see that in the first service, Tim. So it's for somebody here in this service. Verse 7, they're pulling in the, the fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, is John, he said to Peter, uh, it's the Lord. It's the Lord that has come to us in our goings away from him. It's the Lord that's coming to us like he came to us the first time. See, somebody here today, the devil's told you, you'll never get back to where you were with the Lord. That was a chance you had, and you messed up, and you'll never get back there. But the Lord says to me to tell you, this is a new day. It's a better day than ever before. You, you thought he was the Messiah before the resurrection. But after the resurrection, you know. You see, Jesus doesn't come to him now as the teacher. Jesus comes to him now as the one who rose from death, hell, and the grave. He comes as the one who defeated death. He comes as the one who overcame darkness. He comes as the one who overcame everything. And now he's coming to them to give them a second chance, a do-over, a new beginning. Peter plunges in the water, and he swims to the shore. He stumbles on shore. He's wet. He's shriveling. He's shriveling, and he's standing in front of the friend he betrayed. And Jesus has put already a fire. Do you remember the last time Peter stood near a fire? Peter had failed God, but God came to him. Because this changes everything. For the first time in his life, Peter is silent. What can he say? The moment is too holy for words. God himself is offering breakfast to the one who betrayed him. And you think that he hates you? Do you think that he doesn't like you or love you because of the failure in his life? He's saying, look, if I go to the distance of creating a fire, where'd he get the fish? 
There's a question to ask when you read that. Where did he get the fish? Now, he told them later, he said, bring me some more fish. I believe he had just enough fish to feed Peter. But what Peter could bring was enough to feed the rest. Jesus' mission on that day was to restore one person that would be the strongest person in the, new ch- in the early church until the apostle Paul would come. And the Lord says to me to tell you today, you think you're the least, but he's got just enough fish. He's got just enough warm fire to draw you near to him today for that fresh start, for that new over, for that do over, for that beginning again. And so once again, Peter finds grace at Galilee. And I thought about this and I thought, Lord, why did you do the same miracle? Why did you repeat the same miracle? No fish and lots of fish and, you, and, and all that. And then you say, follow me and, and follow me the second time. And I really believe I heard the Lord say, I just want people to know it's okay to start again. I died for your failures, but I rose to remove the guilt and the stain off of your life. In John 21 and 17, you remember that story, John 21, 17, three times Jesus has said, do you love me? And, you know, I've gone into the nuance of the Greek there of the phileo and the and agape. I've gone through that in the past. I'm not going to do that today. And he said to him the third time, how many times did Peter deny him? Three. Now, three times. You see, the Lord's bringing total restoration. He's not letting one of those denials be in the past. That's what the Lord wants to do with you today. It's total restoration today. Not just partial, but it's total. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And and I I look at that, and, and I see the Lord saying this to Peter and to us. I know everything you've said. I know everything you've done. But here's what I want you to know. You can still love me and mess up. Peter said, Lord, you you know all things. And the Lord was just saying, yeah, I know. I saw everything. And I just want you to know you can still love me and mess up. Because you see, some of you today are thinking there's something wrong with my love. If I really love Jesus the way I should love, I wouldn't be repeating the same cycle over and over and over and over. Verse 18. Jesus said to Peter, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and they'll carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by the death that he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, read it with me, what did he say? Follow me. The little Greek there just says, keep on following me. It talks about the death of Peter. He now, after this, and after the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he's a strong, strong disciple in the church. But when it comes time for Peter's death, he's led out by others to a place and his arms are stretched out to crucify him. But he asks one thing. Tradition and history tells us Peter said, just one thing, I'm willing to take up my cross to follow him. But one thing, I'm not near worthy 
of the way that my Lord and Savior was crucified. So would you crucify me upside down? Because I'm not even near worthy of where he is and who he is. Not denying, not arguing, saying I'm willing to follow him in whatever it would take. Listen. Acts chapter 1, the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter. Acts chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. They're all laughing and saying, these people are drunk. But look at Peter. He doesn't cower down. Look at him stand up. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what he spoke by the prophet Joel. And he went on to tell that prophecy. Acts chapter 3, verse 6 and 10. There's a lame man that's laying at the gate. And he's begging. He's begging for, he's begging for food. He's begging for money. And Peter said, silver and gold, I, I don't have any. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he that sat at the begging. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Acts chapter 5. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And also the multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing the sick people that were there and tormented by unclean spirits, and they were healed. He said, what changed? What changed from this man that said, I don't know him, that calls curses down and oaths? What was it that changed him? It was the power of the resurrection and the forgiveness of Jesus that came into his life, and he was able to become a pillar in the church what is it for you today what has the Lord prepared for you but today is the day maybe you simply say you know what today's the day of me to recommit my life to the Lord I just feel like in this service there's several people that say you know what I don't care what anybody thinks or what anybody says I just know somewhere in this teaching today I identified and I'm not going to leave here today without recommitting my life to Jesus. Sometimes I ask you to raise your hand. But in this service today, I feel like that the Lord is just going through this audience and speaking to someone, and someone is saying, you know what, that's me, that's me. I have a hope and desire that God can use me like he's never used me before. And I backed away a little, but today I'm going to recommit my life to the Lord. Or maybe it's the very first time you're going to say, I'm going to commit my life to the Lord. I don't care who you are or where you're sitting or who's sitting around you. I'd like you to just get up from where you are and come and stand down front. And I want to pray with you this morning. Come on. Don't wait on anybody else. I know there's several that are here today. Come on. That's right. Come on, church. Let's give them a hand clap as they come. Recommitting recommitting my life to the Lord. Come on. This is your chance. This is your opportunity today. I'm recommitting my life to the Lord. I'm not going to stay where I was. I'm recommitting my life to Him today. Come on, church. Let's rejoice today. He's speaking to you today. So time to recommit today. Thank you, God. 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 Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I know there's still some others that need to come. And the Lord is speaking to you and you're saying, I just, I just don't know if I'm ready. 
Well, what do you mean you don't know if you're ready? If he's speaking to your heart, if he's drawing you right now, some of you have those tears in your eyes, you feel those sweaty palms right now. What do you mean you don't know if you're ready? If he's calling you today, today's that day. So would you come on and join these that are here of recommitting? Maybe today's the first time that you're giving your life to the Lord and you're going to say, you know, today's that day. Come on, church. Let's give them a hand clap. Still others coming today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me, let me lead you in a, in, a, in a prayer today. Let me lead you in a prayer today. Just look at me for just a moment, those of you that came down here. Just look at me for just a moment. The Lord wants you to know today that he loves you and he cares for you. Today's a fresh start, a new beginning. You're going to walk out of here with that guilt lifted off of you. You say, but if, if people only knew what I've done, he knows, and he called you to come today. So I'm going to pray with you right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then I'm going to pray with you. I can't explain to you what's going to happen, but something supernatural is going to happen to you. Some of you that have been weak in areas of your life are going to become really strong, and God is going to use you. And when they write the history, when they write the history of the Father's house, when they write the history one day, they're going to say, and on that day the person stood, and they came and recommitted their life to the Lord, and the Lord used them to reach hundreds and thousands. The Lord used them to send them to the mission field. The Lord used them to raise up other people to bring about different things so I want to lead you in a prayer first would you pray this prayer with me Father God I give up I surrender you've seen me all the words I've said the times that I've failed you and I'm recommitting my life today to you I ask you to take me do whatever you want to with me I'm here today to follow you and I'm going to follow you all the way in the name of Jesus, I'm going to follow you all the way. Now I'm going to pray for you right now. I just pray right now the load of guilt, shame, condemnation comes off of your life. The areas where you felt unworthy and unloved and not able to do what God wants you to do, I release that burden off of you right now. And I pray the Holy Spirit comes fresh upon you right now in the name of Jesus. That is peace and his forgiveness and his love overflows your life today. You're no longer who you used to be. You're a new person today. You are who he says you are. You can do what he says you can do. You can have what he says you can have. And right now, just receive the freshness of His Spirit. Maybe those of you that are standing in the audience, you want to just lift your hands and just let the Lord just flow fresh up over you this day. Maybe He wants to flow fresh upon you right now. Fill you with His Spirit. Fill you with His love and His peace and His joy. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. You're the God of fresh starts, new beginnings, do-overs, mulligans, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, in the name of Jesus. I just sense the Lord saying, today's not an ordinary day. This was not an ordinary recommittal. This was a life-changing, destiny-altering committal. You've committed before and recommitted, but today is different. This day will stick 
because you used to think that he was the Messiah, but you know that he's the Messiah now. He's a resurrection and he's the life in you and of you. This is not just an ordinary day. It's a transforming day in the name of Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.